And so the reason I do that work is because I'm trying to give people freedom and access to understanding that you are perfectly imperfect and you're designed exactly how you are and there's nothing wrong with you. You're listening to Ease and Grow, a podcast about life lessons, wellness, and growing into your authentic self. I'm your host, Sika, a millennial writer, thinker, feeler, and heart-centered creative human. I'm obsessed with personal growth and soaking up as much joy as we can on this crazy ride of life. If you've ever found yourself thinking, there's got to be more than this, then this is for you. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Ease and Grow, the show about growing into your authentic self and rising above the grind. I just realized I think I need to do an episode explaining why the show is called Ease and Grow. John interviewed me in episode one, but I can't remember if I explained like my vibes around approaching life with ease but also growing evolving and like you know just growing without the stress and the force and the push and the like trials and tribulations I mean of course life throws things our way and we have to deal with them but without the unnecessary extra force and suffering that we add into the equation of life that's really what we're about over here Those are the ease and grow vibes. I'm so happy you're here tuning in, whether you're new or whether you're a regular listener or you're just coming back for the second or third time. We welcome you all to ease and grow. Um, Today we have an interview episode. I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of Ayurveda? Uh, It's come up in the wellness world a little bit here and there. Sahara Rose is one influencer I think of that comes top of mind whenever I think of Ayurveda. I believe she wrote the book um, Ayurveda for Dummies. One of those like kind of like beginner books. And she had the foreword by Deepak Chopra. And yeah, Ayurveda is like a modality of wellness derived from India that is ancient, ancient, goes all the way back, and it teaches you about your body constitution, but also your mental constitution, and basically there are three different types of body slash mind constitutions, and they each come with their own unique attributes and they really help you to understand how you're showing up, whether you're in balance or out of balance, and it helps you understand the people in your life. So the three doshas are vata, pitta, kapha, and if you're familiar with astrology and the elements, vata is air, um, kapha is earth, and pitta is fire, and that is just my elementary understanding of it. But once we hop into the episode, you're going to learn much more about it because apparently water is thrown into some of those ones, which wasn't something I knew before this episode. And it's just really interesting to understand how you're showing up. Uh, my astrology understanding lets me know, okay, I'm airy, I'm very like mind focused, I may be a scatterbrain, I may like be prone to overthinking, 
Or if I'm fire-focused, then I may be a go-getter. I may be really, like, fast-paced. And if I'm earth-focused, I'm very, like, grounded. And I may move slower. Like, those are all astrology knowledge things. And they do translate a little bit to Ayurveda as well. And it's just helpful for you to understand how you're showing up. I personally had a reading with today's guest, Christine Mira. And she gave me an Ayurvedic reading, also mixed with her intuitive gifts. And it was a really amazing experience speaking with her and learning about how I'm showing up, what's in balance, what's out of balance. I took a test online before we had our call. So I'm going to link that website in the show notes so you all can find out your Ayurvedic constitution. As usual, I sent it to some of my friends right after I had my reading. I was like, I think you're this. I think you're Pitta. (laughs) I think you're Fata, whatever. I just love helping people learn more about themselves so that they can understand how they're showing up, why they're showing up the way they are. And also it's helpful because it shows you ways to rebalance. So if you're out of balance, like when I took the test, I had a kapha imbalance, which meant I was more slow moving and I was feeling very sloth-like. I was like a couch potato and I didn't have motivation. So she had some, Christine had some uh, remedies for that. So she recommends certain essential oils certain teas and like spices and like different things but you don't have to buy any of that stuff they also on the website tell you certain foods that may balance it i love that ayurveda approaches food as medicine i've always believed this way i've always been raised by my mom to believe in holistic wellness and that the foods that you eat are medicine and what you're putting in your body and how you're treating your body really reflects how you show up in your life so We get into all of that, and it's a great conversation. I was editing it yesterday, just like, ooh, we touch on a lot of good things. And Christine has a very interesting background, and I just can't wait for you all to hear it. So we're going to dive in, and I'm going to introduce our guest. So I met Christine during Made to Do This. I also met my other friend from episode, I don't know the number, 12 or 13, Eliza. I met her from Made to Do This as well. And I'm just so thrilled for you to hear from her. Christine is a joyful living coach, intuitive, and expert in Ayurvedic wisdom. She's an author of two books and a speaker, a mom of two young men, and a pickleball player enthusiast, which you'll hear in the episode. With over 30 years of experience, she works with healers, intuitively gifted, and newly awoken people. Her psychic abilities, Ayurvedic dosha design, and soul frequency blueprint work help her clients attain a deeper connection to their own gifts and abilities. She creates a safe space for them to gain a profound connection and knowingness. She helps clients build divine alignment in their lives and work. Her background in corporate business and personal life coaching gives her a unique ability to see the big life picture, including both personal and business purposes. She helps people connect to their own brilliance and radiance as they embrace their divine design. So I just want to give a disclaimer about this episode because it is going to be touching on some medical aspects lightly and I just want to make sure you all know this is not medical advice whenever you're approaching new wellness modalities I personally always suggest that you keep an open mind and take what resonates with you and leave the rest I think it's so important to always tune into your own knowing before taking any advice whatsoever 
especially medical advice, like consult a doctor if you're going to take any medical advice. But these are just suggestions. These are things that you can play around with. These are things that may help you in your journey. And I think it's always healthy to pick and choose based on what feels good to you. So any advice Christine gives, you know, check in with yourself, check in with a doctor, and you don't have to feel like you have to implement everything she says. But it's always good to learn and get to know different perspectives. So you'll love this episode either way. And let's dive into it. I'm going to stop talking and see you over there. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Christine. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come on the show. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so I am very excited to talk about Ayurveda with you because we had a great reading together. It must have been a month ago at this point. I literally still have the sheet here of all your recommendations. (laughs) I need to order all the different things still because I was traveling and I just got back. But we had a great reading and that was so much more than I was expecting it would be. And I was so grateful for that reading. So I'm kind of curious for you to share. Firstly, let's see if the listeners can get a feel of like your personality. So if you know your Myers-Briggs, your Enneagram, your astrology sign, and then of course your doshas. Oh my gosh, I'm revealing everything. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, you listeners out there, um, I am an ENFJ, right? ENFJ. I. I am a um, Capricorn by birth. Uh, my rising is in Leo, and everything else is in Capricorn. Ooh. So I'm super lucky that I have a Leo rising, or I'd be a very yawny, dry person. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. And my dosha profile, I'm a Pitta Kapha. Okay, cool. Do you know your Enneagram? Is it, isn't that? Oh, no. The, the numbers. My, no, I don't know my Enneagram. Oh. It's the one thing I've been done. I'm curious yeah. what yours would be. Okay, awesome. And it, so And I think in human design I'm a projector. Oh yeah, human design. I haven't been asking people about that because I don't know if it's not as mainstream yet. But yeah, human design, you're a projector. I'm a generator. I'll have to do an episode <laughs> on that too, because I actually just had a human design reading after we had our reading. So that's that's in the works. Something to look forward they- to. Do they complement each other? Oh, they're very different modalities, honestly. The way human design works is more so about how to best use your energy and like embrace ease in your life so that you're going with your design as opposed to against it. And it involves a whole bunch of different aspects of like how you can eat best for your design and how you can use your energy best and like how you work and just the authority and making decisions is very much how it's like built into human design. So a little bit, I would say. It's actually similar. Yeah. You know, we're talking about Ayurveda, we're talking about your doshas. It is the energetic blueprint and how you reside on the earth. Right. And when you understand your doshas and you understand the way you're designed, then you have alignment. Like Mm. uh, so much dissonance comes from the fact that we're not connected to who we are designed and how we show up on the world. And a lot of our conversation is always about 
um, scolding ourselves. Oh, I didn't do this. Or, oh, I overdid that. Or I, you know, I spoke too much or I didn't speak enough. But when you understand your doshic um, blueprint, you get, I mean, everything's explained through the profile of what your dosha is. And so the reason I do that work is because I'm trying to give people freedom and access to understanding that you are perfectly imperfect and you're designed exactly how you are and there's nothing wrong with you. Yes, uh, and that's what I love about all of these different modalities and that's very much in line with human design, as you said, just embracing that this is who you are and this is your design and this is your doshic makeup or however we're going to get into doshas because people are probably confused of what doshas are but (laughs) i just love knowing how you uniquely are built and embracing the uniqueness because i feel like we're told to fit into this cookie cutter life and what culture asks of us and society asks of us but we all are unique and we don't all fit into that so let's dive into what that is what what is ayurveda and what are doshas (laughs) okay i just as just a a finishing point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so much of our living is always about scolding ourselves. It's a punitive conversation that someone e- either is having with us or we have it for ourselves. And I think the distinction and the key point to stepping into the Aquarian time, which is now, is, you know, I know it's an old cliche, but, you know, love is, uh, of all things, it is the, it is the, Emotion it is the energy that heals yourself and allows you to be healing for others. Mm-hmm. So if we can change our dialogue with ourselves and how we speak to others, we'll begin to heal all the wounds that we've had, all our imperfections that we feel, all our not enoughness to be enough and know that we are born perfectly imperfect, right? Yeah. Like we were born in this body to have a human experience called growth and understanding and internal self-awareness, right? Like, and if you don't have that kind of internal self-awareness, guess what? You keep having the same lessons over and over and over, whether that shows up in somebody you're dating or it's a relationship you have in your family that you find outside your family so you can heal it, whatever that might be. We're going to get the lesson because that's what our soul came back to understand, to to understand like what that's meant for us and how to grow from it, not to be a victim of it, but to step into it and say, well, how does this serve me? What's the information I'm supposed to be getting? Because once we have that kind of awareness, like if you just think of it in the context of you, it heals you. You vibrate at a happy level you start sharing yourself in a different way, but it also is a contribution to the collective consciousness because now you're healing, you've healed, you don't go and inflict more wounds or more pain on someone else. You generate love and kindness and compassion and generosity and gratitude. And when you show up like that for another person, it's, it is a contagious kind of communal communication. And, yes. and, and you are making a contribution to the collectiveness or as we call humanity. Um, and so, you know, when we understand the distinction of loving ourselves first, having self-acceptance, self-love, self-appreciation, self-awareness, gratitude, compassion, love, kindness, it, your heart changes, your vibration changes, your aura outside of you, people meet you and they're like, oh. They feel so good in your presence. 
Yeah. Versus, you know, that, that angry person that you can feel them walking through the door and going, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. And actually that's a part of human design. There's like emotionals and non-emotionals. I literally was just reading a post about emotionals, non-emotionals, and I'm non-emotional. So I pick up on people's emotions, which I think we might've talked about in our reading too, of just me being like kind of empathic and just like very susceptible to the energies around me. So it's funny that you say that. And I was just reading about it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's all connected, like most, most everything that brings us to our own awareness, um, it has a connection to other things. Um, but I, you know, when I look at the deeper, grander, um, cosmic connection, it, it all starts from that place of love. Yeah. It starts here. Starts I love here. that. And this is, this is the conversation. So as you're speaking into the world about yourself or others, it's really important to be conscious of the words we're choosing because words are powerful. I mean, I know people say that, but they don't necessarily believe it. But if you ever watch, um, you know, a parent scold a child versus a parent um, being kind and loving and giving the child a lesson, you can see those two pictures. One is very expansionary. One is greeted, you know, is welcomed and received. And the other one is shying away and contracting and contracting. So if your speakingness is making another feel contracted and small and belittled, it's you that's got to change. It's not the person that you're unloading on. It's you because when you speak that way to others, that's more of a dialogue you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. Projection. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'm getting your coach come through. So let's, let's actually backtrack a little bit and let's get some of your story and how you got into Ayurveda. So you're currently a joyful living coach and interred an intuitive and an Ayurvedic practitioner. So how did you become interested in these things? What was your backstory? I know you also in your bio that you shared earlier, you studied marketing just like I did or media marketing similar. And then you worked in corporate business and then kind of tell us the trajectory. How did you end up where you are now? Well, let's see. I I was born. (laughs) Like everybody and came like, um, so how I got here. Well, my dad died when I was six. And uh, I had my first experience of source when I was that young. Mm. Um, And the short story is my mom is very grief stricken and it was around Christmas and she forgot to put a present in Santa's bag. And so I had 32 first cousins. And so I'm all sitting there waiting for my, for my gift. And there's no gift. The bag is empty. And I go up to Santa who was my uncle Bill. And I say, Santa, isn't there anything in there for me? And Santa says, oh, I'm sorry, honey, I must have left it on the sleigh. And then I hear my aunt saying to my mom, you forgot her present. You forgot her present. And my mom was so, like, out of it. I mean, she just looked mm. barely functioning. And I remember driving home from my aunt's that evening. And I looked up, and it was a full moon. And I, I remember talking to God and saying, God, is this all there is? Is this, is this it? And God said, no, there's so much more. And that's the first time I heard the voice of God. And so um, all through my life, you know, growing up, I um, had different experiences. And uh, I think I was 10 or 12. And I saw like 
codex flash bulbs going off at Christmas time. And I remember saying to my cousins, do you see it? Do you see it? And they're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, don't you see the flash bulbs, the codex flash bulbs? And they're like, you're so weird. You're so weird. I, we don't see anything. You're just making it up. And I literally, from that day forward, I never told anybody about that experience. I never talked about it. I didn't know what it was. I must wow. be weird. So that was the message I took away from that. But all the all the while, while I was growing up, I always had a knowingness. Like somebody would ask me a question and I would have an answer. And I didn't know how I had the answer, but I just had the answer. Wow. And I knew in my teenage years I, that I, before they turned an old soul, I just had a knowingness and a way of being in the world that for how young I was, I shouldn't have had that kind of confidence or know, know it all. But I think it was because I was a Capricorn and Capricorns, that's how they leave. Like they know, even though we don't know. We just <laughs> like we do. And um, I was so, so when I was 23, I was working as a director of marketing for a large natural food company. And uh, I had to go visit a distributor and this guy named Chase took me out to dinner. He was our rep. And I was talking to him at the ocean. And he had said, hey, when you were little, did you ever see Kodak flashbulbs going off for no reason? I said, yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's um, the spirit world communicating with you. You can see on the other side. And I was like, no way. And I never told that story. Wow. And it's so funny because that was the first and last time I saw Chase. What, what made him ask you that? That is so crazy and so random that he would just ask you that out of the blue. We were talking at the beach, at the ocean. I don't even know what about. Probably something spiritual. And then he just said that out of the blue. Wow. And I was like, whoa. So then after that, I met a high-level clairvoyant who um, actually is a very dear friend of mine now. We've known each other for 35 years. Um, and she taught me a lot about past life regression. And um, I did a lot of work with her. I did a lot of soul work with her. And then um, along the way in my living in life, I've met other people who are very um, gifted. And um, one of them became my mentor. And she's the one that really put me on the map. Like I always had the ability, but I never thought I knew what I was doing. And she would always say to me, you're so gifted. And I would be like, you're just blowing spiritual smoke <laughs> for me, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then I just was out in the world and I, and I just thought people processed like I did and could see things the way I did. And she would tell me like, as much as you process and, one year, it takes 15 years for other people to do that. And I was like, right, right. But then mm. I could see, like, I would talk to people and I could see how me putting dots together, connecting the dots, a future book, um, that, you know, I could understand things that for a lot of people they couldn't, or I would make an observation about my friend's lives and they would be like, whoa, where did that come from? I'm like, I don't know. And so then it got to a point where my friends were like, when are you going to be out in the world? When are you going to share your gift? You are so good. And then I was like, okay. And I met somebody that gave me my mission, my soul's mission on the planet. And, um, and it was a big mission and it really literally scared me. So mm -hmm. I hid away for a long time. Uh, but ta-da! I'm you out. You came out. 
I came out. I came out of the spiritual closet. Yes. <laughs> Who was that person then? Was it just a happen chance like meeting or was it someone that you're still connected to? I'm still connected to and um I worked with her for a few a number of years and um yeah. And I, I'm very, very grateful to her because I, she was the one that sort of made me aware that I had the gift. And then I met this other person who was, became my mentor, who really brought me forward. And so I have all these amazing spiritual hacks that will allow people to really access their deeper wisdom in connecting them with their intuition and knowing their inner light and being service on the planet. Um, took me 30 years and now, you know, I can share that with people fairly easily. Um, wow. takes a number of months, but if you really want to be lit up and you really want to be a stand for yourself and for others, um, we have the technology. Wow. And then how did all of this relate back to Ayurveda? Like when did that enter oh, the picture yeah. of your intuitive gifts? Well, Ayurveda came to me at the age of 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the director of marketing of that large natural food company, which um, we were in the same town. And at that time, I left that that company and became a marketing consultant. And so I, one of my clients was Maharishi um, oh. Ayurveda product, known as Mappy. Um, and I wanted to see an Ayurvedic doctor. And there so happened to be one of the very first Ayurvedic doctors in the United States. She lived in Santa Rosa and she still is my practitioner today. So she's still practicing for, I think another three or four years and then she's going to retire. And so she had, I was actually in her very first class that she ever taught. And I just used all of that information as sort of a co-processor in my brain. And one of the things that you learn is about your doshas and it really speaks to how people operate and behave on the planet. And so I, when I would meet somebody, I could sort of ascertain what their doshas were. And then I would, I would change my speaking to their listening. Like with, with somebody who is Pitta, you talk in information. But somebody that's kapha related, you talk in relational kinds of language. And with somebody who's vata, you're just sort of trying to catch up with them all the time because they're be bopping around because they move so fast in the world and they've got all these fleeting thoughts. So, um, you you know, coupled with that and all the work that I did um, with landmark um, education, I've I've sort of folded all these things together to come up with a way where people can find ease and grace inside themselves and I can I can identify your leadership style by your doshas also tell you what kind of leader you are and and you know we can even go into how is it best for you to show up in the world and how can you interrelate to the other doshas so Ayurveda let me just back up Ayurveda is a philosophy it is defined as the science of life it's five, over 5,000 years old. The Rishis made observations about people um, in their the sense of their body types, their physiological nature, and their psychological nature. And uh, the thing about Ayurveda that is really different from everything else that's been that's come after it, which is all the different systems you talked about, it's that it's 5,000 years old, and it continues to... Um, 
validate itself over and over and over uh, because what the Rishi spoke about was truth. And, and you know, um, inside Ayurveda, there is a conversation around food as medicine, herbs, oils, you know, um, for herbal formulas, uh, clothes, the color of clothes you wear to the, you know, to the um, uh, beauty that you use to yoga, to breath, to meditation. It's like all encompassing because Ayurveda is really used as a preventative measure because when you're born, you have this energetic blueprint, which we identify through the doshas. That is your, that is your um, origin point. So anything that is sort of one way or another in the expression of your dosha is keeping you out of balance. So Ayurveda gives you the tools to bring you back in balance as much as possible. But just mm -hmm. by growing, eating, living, breathing on the planet, you, you get in balance. It's just the nature of nature. So um, the, the work and the study of it is to help you become as balanced as possible. So you don't become, you know, at the effects of stress or, you know, overeating or eating the wrong things. Like when you eat food that is aligned with your doshas, you are now getting at a nutrient level, what your body doesn't have to fight against. Instead of eating foods that make you allergic or you have, you know, a response to it that is unfavorable. Now you're eating food that's like, oh, you're, and you just sort of like melt into the nourishment of that. And your body doesn't have to fight against it to digest it and then to eliminate it. So, um, and it's very, you know, there's a science to how you cook it, you know, the, the ingredients you use, how you serve it, you know, make sure that you don't have leftovers, just make enough food for the, the meal that you have, because we, um, there's a belief in Ayurveda that when you eat leftover food, it's old. The energy oh. from the food is stagnant, right? And it oh. starts to decay. So when you eat foods that are fresh right from the stove to your belly, you're getting everything that the earth is meant to give you. Interesting. I actually didn't know that one. <laughs> I've learned I've learned a bit about Ayurveda and like the different ways to eat. And I know like you shouldn't drink while you eat because it's like taking right. away from I think it's like reducing the digestive capacity of the foods and there are all these different practices, but I had no clue about eating leftovers and I'm a big leftover eater because I don't like cooking every day. <laughs> so that's right. really funny. But for the doshic constitution that we're born with does that change or is that supposed to be no, the same the, throughout the your moment, life the moment that the egg the ovum and the sperm meet that's your constitution it's called mm. your prakriti. it is your zero point you know coming together um and then as we age and grow older you know we can either take pulses or take tests so um, if you are with an Ayurvedic doctor, they would actually take your pulse and under these three fingers on your wrist, there's a rhythm and that rhythm tells the pulse reader what your constitution is. So when you press seven layers deep, basically to the bone, you feel what that rhythm is. That's your prakruti. And then as you lift higher up, I think it's the 
sixth layer or the fifth layer, it tells you your vakruti, which is what your energetic rhythm is right now. So if there's a far separation of what you're originally born with to what's going on, that's how they can uh, identify the levels of stress you have. An mm. Ayurvedic doctor who is highly um, gifted in pulse reading can actually press down seven layers and come up the layers and they, they each segment of your finger, each finger is divided into four five segments. So depending on the rhythm of the pulse and what layer they're in, they can tell if you've had um, uh, post-traumatic stress disorders, if you're emotionally balanced, if you have a psychological block, they can even tell how spiritual you are by your pulse. Wow. Dr. Viscount Ladd is one of the very last practitioners on the planet, doctors on the planet. He's from India and he's one of the forefathers of Ayurveda that brought Ayurveda to this country. Um, he has an institute in Mexico and he is teaching uh, people all over the world how to read pulse pulses because it's becoming a lost art in India. Wow. So, yeah. Cause there are all these online tests now and you get varying results from the different tests. So I can see that being a kind of like safe way to know, like, no, this is exactly what it is as opposed to the online test where it's so removed and it's like self-diagnosed. Right. 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 But you know, I do have to say that the test that I gave you, um, that that test is fairly accurate in the sense of people doing their doshas before and then doing it there. Um, and then also me knowing people taking their pulses and then they go and take the test. So it's, yeah. it's confirmed. Yeah. yeah. And when we met, we actually met in Kathy Heller's made to do this course in a like breakout room. And I remember you initially, you're like, you seem pitta. You're like, you're smart. You know what you're saying. And I'm like, really? I feel like I'm really Vatan. I'm like an airy, like very like scattered air sign. I'm a Libra. So I always, I actually took another test. Sahara Rose had a dosha test years ago that I took and I got Vata Kapha. And those are always the two. And you're like, you seem really Pitta. And then I got Pitta in that. Um, I can't remember. Was it Mappy? Aren't you uh, Pitta Vata? It was actually Banyan. Banyan Botanicals. Banyan Botanicals. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes so listeners can find out what they are. But yeah, you, I, I was Pitta Kapha, I think. Vata. Pitta Vata. But no, then as we were speaking... As we were speaking, we were deciding I was a little, I related to the Vata. So maybe we can go through all three of them and let listeners kind of self-identify what they relate most to between the three doshas. And I know that it's, it's divided also by like psychological and then body. So it's like the psychological side of the balance and then there's the well, I body think, side. I think what, what I want to say first is um, you may take the test like you did, but having the dosha reading was much more in depth for you. Like you yeah. had a, a higher awareness of what that picture meant. So, you know, you all can go and take that test. Um, but that the reading that we do is much deeper and it is, um, it really shifts you, I think. Yeah. And it's led with your intuitive gifts too. So you pick up on things and we got to go really deep. Like that yeah. was so helpful. 
I hope you're loving this episode. I just quickly wanted to interrupt to let you know that if you're thinking of starting a podcast, then I have a great recommendation for you. Ease and Grow is hosted on Buzzsprout and it has saved my life. (laughs) Not to overstate, but when I was starting the podcast, I was very overwhelmed by all the different options out there. There There's so many different hosts. There are so many different editing platforms. There's a lot that goes into it. And it's so nice to have the reassurance of a really easy to understand interface like Buzzsprout that sends your podcast to all the right platforms every week. And it really takes care of you. They're great with customer service. I've emailed them and they've helped me immensely so I just wanted to let you know that if you sign up for a paid plan with Buzzsprout and you use the link in the show notes it lets them know that Ease and Grow sent you and you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan so I think that's a really great incentive and it's just a really great interface when you're trying to learn a whole new technology system like podcasting it was daunting for me and they made it nice and easy so Yep, that's there for you. Go in the show notes or head to the episode webpage. And let's get back to this episode. So what oh, are good. the three? Yeah, what are the three? <laughs> well, so in doshas, you know, you have three energetic frequencies. One is vata, the next is pitta, and the last one is kapha. And so vata is motion and air in the body. It is the thing that creates movement. So it's your circulatory system, your lymphatic system, your... Um, your digestion and your elimination. And without vata, you would um, die because you have, you have to have motion in the body in order for everything to move. Um, lots of people are very airy that, you know, that because it's connected to, to motion and movement. Um, and they tend to um, be always curious, but never have the ability to, um, to anchor things. They're always, they're, they're, they're squirrel. Oh, they're, oh, that's interesting. Oh, squirrel. <laughs> and they, they tend to like not be able to um, complete, but they're always great at starting stuff. And pitta is fire and water and pitta is transformation in the digestion. So you want to always keep your agni, which is your um, digestive chemistry, your heat and your digestion. You want to keep that burning efficiently you don't want things to incinerate because you can't, you don't absorb the nutrients, but you don't want it to be so sluggish that it takes much longer for it to digest or it doesn't digest well. Right. So, um, for people who like to drink cold things, stop because you're damaging your digestive system. Please drink things that are at room temperature or are hot. Um, if you drink cold things, I know you run hot and that you are looking to cool down get a towel and put it in the back of your neck because <laughs> when you're dampening your digestive system, you are literally putting it into shock when you're just throwing back cold ice drinks into your digestive system. It actually cools everything down and it takes all the energy for it to heat back up so that it can nourish your body um, the way it should. And yeah, sure. When you're young, you can, totally get away with that because you're young and you're vibrant and you're healthy. But as you get older into your fifties, your late forties and fifties and sixties, doing that shocking your digestive system enough will actually, you know, like when you, um, strike, strike a match and you go and light something 
and it lights up and it's on fire fairly quickly. Think of that as your digestive system. But if you get that piece of paper wet and you try to strike the match and get it lit, it might just burn on the edges, sort of smolder, but it never really lights up. So you do that to your digestive system enough decades. By the time you get into your 50s and 60s, you're having digestive issues. Um, women going through menopause you might see it when they're starting to go through menopause. So if you want to like, um, how do I want to say, rekindle your, your belly fire, stop drinking cold things. Um, Pitta people tend to be super smart and they can ascertain things very quickly. They default into leadership because that's just the way they're designed. They're super impatient. Um, they don't have patience for people who take a long time to get it. And they think that people talk too much because they're all about information. Um, and the thing about Pitta people, they can be very dismissive and abrupt and acerbic in their speaking. Um, so Pittas don't realize that there are other people around them that process and live in the world differently. So I am a recovering Pitta. <laughs> I say that because, um, yeah, even though I knew about the doshas when I was in my 20s, I was really rewarded for my behavior and how I showed up because I got a lot of things done and I was moving and shaking the world. And, you know, as a director of marketing, that, that was a good thing because I ran projects easily. But according to my boys, my family, it's really hard to live with me. It's a really so masculine approach then. to life. Pittas, so, yeah. yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of women have problems being pittas because the world is always telling them, oh my, you're so aggressive. You're a little bit ambitious. Oh my goodness. You, you really can't show up like that in a room, you know, like, but in business, you're definitely rewarded. My mom is very much, I feel like any woman in that generation, like you had to adopt that to get through the business world. It was like, this is how we make it in business. So I can, I can understand that approach. Yeah. I think that that approach is the old male paradigm. Yeah. And I think that um, the collaborative uh, female um, model is, is taking hold. And mm. that is, you know, you can lead with kindness and you can lead by being gracious and gentle and generous. You don't have to be the, um, I'm going to beat it out of you kind of whip, whip, whip like that, that stuff just doesn't work anymore. And it's not actually how I want to show up in the world. I don't want to, I don't want people to be scared or afraid or, you know, work with me out of, you know, not, not being, um, what do you want to say on task? You know, I want people to, I want people to own their work process and flow into it and make the contribution because their heart's full. Yeah. And that's the new divine feminine. I feel like that's coming in and like the new generation is like, everything's divine feminine and like receiving and like flowing. And yeah, I think that's definitely the new paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. And very in so, line with um, Kafa. <laughs> Right. I was just going to say, so a Kafa person, a Kafa people are kind and loving and generous, and they put people before themselves all the time. And their speaking is gentle and enrolling, and they like people. Um, Pitchas and Vachas may or may not like people, depending on 
where they are in a project or, you know, if, if that kapha person is serving them. So kapha people hold the structure because kapha in the body is structure. It's your bones, it's your muscles, it's how you stand in the world, right? So when you hear an Ayurvedic doctor say your kapha is coming undone, you're probably going to die fairly soon. Mm. Because if you think about structure, right, structure is your scaffolding. And if it's coming unglued, it means there's too much moisture. So kapha is earth and water. So if there's too much water in the system, too much edema, right? Too much inflammation, too much soup, primordial soup in the body that's being created and it can't be eliminated at a, at a you know, um, normal level, then the body swells up, swells up, swells up. And what happens? Everything starts to get loose and undone. Mm. So you have many years before you get to that place of your kapha coming undone. The big question is, are you listening? Are you listening? And are you taking care of yourself? Because your body's speaking to you every day, all the time, every moment. It's a matter of, are you attuned to what it's saying to you? So like somebody who has gastrointestinal issues, like every time they eat something, they get bloated. Well, what's that saying, right? Yeah. It's saying, hey, I'm allergic to this. I'm not liking this. That's why I'm bloating your tummy. There's toxins in here and I need to liquefy it because if I don't do it, it's going to like burn a hole in my intestines, right? Or burn a hole in my tummy. So when you have bloating or you have edema, that's not a normal course of your body working. That's actually telling you there's something wrong and it's actually a very serious issue when your body is holding on to water, when your body is not um, dispelling the moisture from it through peeing your urine, then there's something wrong. There's something deeper. There's a deeper issue. So if you go to a Western doctor, they'll give you a pill. They'll say, here, take this diuretic and you'll pee and you'll be fine. And are you do that a doctor will take your pulse and they'll feel they can feel exactly what each organ in your body is doing. Is it in cadence, meaning that is it in its natural rhythm or is there a stressor or is there a disruption or is there no pulse around it? If there's no pulse around it, it's saying that it's not functional, that there's something really wrong. So when you see a Chinese doctor or an Ayurvedic doctor, when they feel your pulse, they're actually diagnosing at a systemic level what is wrong. Mm. Versus a Western doctor may get there from the outside in. They're taking pictures, they're running tests, um, they're looking at the results when a Chinese doctor or an Ayurvedic doctor can actually feel it in your wrist and tell you what's going on. Hmm. That's, the, that's the power of pulse diagnostics because, yeah, you don't, you might have those Western tests to back up what, what they say so that you actually know what's going on, but your body reveals everything that's going on inside of it. Yeah. All the time. You, can, you can tell those things from the iris, from reading someone's face. They're looking oh. at their tongue, looking at their eyes, looking at the shape of their ears, looking at their hands, looking at their feet. You can tell a lot just by looking at the whole body. Wow. And what's the shadow side of Kapha? You kind of said they're like friendly and like loving, oh, yeah. but what are yeah. they? <laughs> so, so Kapha people, um, they feel forgotten and left out. 
they tend to ruminate about things that have been wrong and they hold on to it. They hold grudges. Um, they feel like they're not seen because kafas move at a very slow rate. Mm. It might take them four times to hear the same information for them to grasp it all where a vata and a pitta can get it fairly quickly. A vata has to write everything down. A pitta writes it down, but doesn't need it immediately, but will need it in like a month or so where a Vata person has to write everything down as soon as they hear it, because it leaves their mind because yeah. that's the way they're wired. Um, so a Kafa person tends to um, hold grudges and feel left out. And if you don't talk to a Kafa in the way that they need to be spoken to, they feel um, like they're run over. That is so me. That's literally like, <laughs> this is what we, I think we talked about this during our reading, but like, I relate so much to the Vata and Kafa, the way you described it. Like I just had an incident with a friend where I needed him to be super tender and kind and like gentle with me. And I was just feeling sensitive. And he was just like, I don't understand like why you're offended by this thing, like by what I said. And I'm like, I just need, like, I just am feeling sensitive and like raw. And I just need you to like reassure me that like you want me. Like I always feel left out. Like that's a big wound of mine. Like feeling like not important, not included, not like the unbelonging of, I guess a lot of people feel that, but I definitely have that kapha wound. And it's funny because when I took the Banyan botanicals test, I had a kapha imbalance. And I think it was saying that I'm like, very much feeling like lazy and like not wanting to take action and like I'm really Kafa, interested about the Kafa imbalances. Kafa people are um, the proverbial couch potato. <laughs> so a Kafa person when they're imbalanced they can sit days and days of watching TV or you know lounging around. They may want to read or not read but they definitely lose hours and not at a clip and not even realize it three, four five days could go by. And they're like, Oh, wow. I've been lounging around because coffee is naturally falls into not depression in the sense of how clinical depression, but you know how sometimes you're elated. And then the other times you just feel like a slug. That's a better way of putting it. Mm. And so when you get imbalanced, uh, whether that's through hormones, weather, location, physiology, and you find yourself on the couch, you, you could tell yourself, yeah, I have a kapha imbalance. I better go get some of my kapha, you know, my kapha aromatherapy. I better smell it because I got to get clear that energy out of my body. Yeah. So, yeah. And the reason that I like to share then the both sides of what a dosha is is that you, now that you know that, like, oh, that's just how I show up, right? Like that, like if you spent three days on the couch, you know, there's probably a conversation of, oh my God, I wasted all this time. And what have I been doing? I've been productive and blah, 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 <laughs> bad girl, bad girl, bad girl, bad girl. And the, the point of telling and sharing this is because that's how you're designed. That's how nature recharges you in the sense of, giving you the ability to unplug. It's just important. The reason I, these tools exist is because you don't want to lose a month or five months being stuck in an imbalance and you're being, uh, you know, unproductive. Um, and to realize like, hey, that's my nature and I must be imbalanced because I've been sitting on the couch. Let me go 
rub myself with some oil or drink some tea or take some churna or whatever it is to get your energy back. Yeah. yeah. So is it, cause I got Pitavata in the test and then I had a cough imbalance. So any doshic constitution can have any imbalance basically is what. Right. Right. Okay. So, so the thing about what your primary by doshic, um, uh, makeup is you're a pitavata. So, and your cough, the reason you're, you probably have a kapha imbalance is because in the winter, you just came out of a kapha season now coming into a pitta season, but because you're coming out of mm. kapha, there's a lot of sluggishness. It was cold. It was winter. You weren't exercising. So pittas need to exercise literally every day for at least a half hour, whether that's walking or playing pickleball. Thank you. <laughs> Your favorite. <laughs> or, or bicycling or, you know, whatever, breathing, yoga, exercise, stretching, even just stretching, right? If pittas don't do that, remember pitta is fire and water. So what do they do over time? They start to smolder. Their fire starts to get dampened. It starts to go out. Right. I so, think I relate to that. Definitely. I like needed to move around yesterday. So yeah, I relate yeah. to that. <laughs> Where kafas, kafas don't need to move around. In fact, kafas don't even like to move around. They would rather be sedentary and hanging out and probably eating a little cake because <laughs> they have a predilection for sweets. Kafas do. So, you know, the thing for a coffee that's really also important is they need to move and exercise also, but coffees don't have to, <laughs> where pittas have to and vatas have to, they have to be moving and being in exercise. For instance, me as an example, I've been injured from a, a pickleball injury and I haven't been able to move every day like I normally play every day. And um, I have been using my body in the same way. And I tell you, like, just like hanging around and not being able to really move. And then I went out and stretched this morning out at the bay. And I was like, oh, I mean, just doing that was like so freeing because I've been stuck inside and computing and watching TV and feeding yeah. my dog and cooking, you know, it was all this very um, dense energy. So I was out there today. I was just like stretching and my dog was on you know, had him tied to my foot and, you know, I'm, uh, and I just, uh, I got my breath in my belly. My lungs got stretched. My arms got stretched just doing, you know, just like this. It's like, even at your desk, if you can just move your body. Yeah. And, I, and I'm an athlete, so I need to move my body a lot. Yeah. I'm not doing it. And I definitely feel it. So being really like having a coffin balance is almost like being really sedentary and very still. So what about pitta and vata? If someone were to have a pitta imbalance, what would be the like remedy for that? Mark? Well, pitta, pitta's edge on being snarky and mean. So if they're using sharp words and they're angry and they're frustrated, they're completely out of balance. So that pitta needs to smell some aromatherapy, some pitta aromatherapy. Um, they need to cool down. So they might drink cooling teas or cooling beverages or eat cooling foods. Um, they need to go out and move. They need to breathe deep into their body, into their belly. Um, they need to meditate because <laughs> pittas are mean when they're out of balance. <laughs> they're, they're really acerbic with their, their speaking they're very mainly very powerful people if they're in alignment and they're speaking their truth. Um, 
frustrated pittas or that type A personality that we see characterized in the United States. Um, and when pittas are out of balance, they're not happy people. Yeah. But a pitta imbalance, oh my goodness, like pittas get so much done and they're, they're constantly on the move and they want to, they want to make things happen. They, they are the shakers and movers of the world. And when a pit is in balance and knows how to enroll others, you have a massive movement going on. Mm, that's awesome. What about a vata imbalance? Like well, vata, scattered brain. Vata imbalance <laughs> is, you know, new, new, new. Squirrel syndrome um, is very anxious and doesn't, um, can't get much done. And they worry, 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 have lots of anxiety. And, um, they just don't know what to go first. And their default conversation is, I have so much to do. I'm overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. What should I do? That's a that's a vata. You just theme. described a Libra. <laughs> I probably described a lot of people out there. But uh, you know, but you know, the thing about it is understanding that. And we talk about, you know, mindset and reframing. When you're saying those words as a vata, then you go, oh, my nature's showing up. This is how I show up. Let me take a deep breath. Let me have a reset. Okay, I got 15 things to do. Let me write them all down. Okay, what's the first three priorities? Okay, great. That's Monday. What's the next? That's Tuesday. That's Wednesday. And vatas are great at lists. If they have a list in front of them, they can get stuff done. That's but if so they have mean. to like keep, keep it up in the air and like sort of, you know, um, a mental check, that will kill them. Mm. I mean, it, it's just like. That is so funny that you say that because that was something I spoke about in an earlier podcast episode of my cousin who's a social worker kind of noticing in me that I was kind of waiting for things to happen before I enjoyed my life and that I'm addicted to like my to-do list and she thought I was using it as like a tool against myself of like I have to master this to-do list but for me it was just like this is how I get everything out of my brain like I have to do brain dumps like I can't carry everything in my brain because I literally go crazy like I actually do this thing like if I'm in the shower and I think of a good thought like I'm getting inspired in the shower then I'll just say it over and over again until I get out of the shower until I write it down. <laughs> like I can't, I can't turn it off. Like it's just like an ongoing thing and I'm always being inspired. So it's so true. Having that writing and lists, like it's been my lifesaver my whole life. And also okay. the breathing, as you said, when you told me to do like diaphragm, deep belly breathing, that's saved me some nights when I'm like in bed and I'm going to bed and my brain is like, oh, it's time to turn on. And I'm like, no, it's time to go to bed. And I'm like, I'm going to breathe into the belly. I'm going to do what Christine said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the thing about um, breathing deep to your belly, which is your solar plex, your solar plex is, so you see your belly button. If you sink 15 feet out in front of you, and if you've heard aura before, that is the seat of the soul at your solar plexus. And it the energy goes out 15 feet all around you. That's like when someone walks in a room, you go, hey, that who is that person? Or you feel this you know, uh, energy of anger or somebody's frustrated or someone's fearful. It's because you're bumping into their aura. So the thing about breath is breath is the thing that defines you. 
it makes you you. It's your personality. It's your connection to soul and to spirit. Because if you think about it, if you have no breath in this thing we call a body, you have a corpse. Yeah. Right. So when your nervous system is at being an expression of how you're wired on the planet and you start to get really revved up, you start to breathe shallow. When you breathe shallow, that is the frequency of fear. When we don't take our breath all the way down into our body cavity, at least to about where our liver is or, you know, our kidneys, we don't take our breath that deep. The frequency of fear is the thing that gets generated because this is the thing that keeps you alive, breathing the top third of your chest. Mm. But when you breathe everything down into your belly, into your belly button, which, you know, um, comes out and reaches out into your aura, you are disconnected from the divine, from the cosmic consciousness. You now are literally walking around as a, a soul automaton going, I got to make this happen. Oh my gosh. It's all about me. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this and this and this. Oh, how am I going to do that? Let me think about that. Oh, I've got And what do you get? You get a lot of stress and you get a frequency of imbalance and your ego is taking over with, Oh my God, I've got to do everything and I have to survive. And how I'm going to do that. And blah, 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 blah. And literally that's what it sounds like. Yes. So many people live like that. And just like all the breathing is like stuck in the chest and it's just all anxiety. And it's like, Oh, right. So if you can break yourself from the and take your breath five seconds through your nose, down to your belly button, hold it five seconds, gather up all the things you don't need, blow that out through your breath, through your mouth, five seconds, and just do three to five cycles of that. You'll literally reset your nervous system to calm down. Yeah. It's so powerful. It's so simple and so powerful, but it like, it changes your whole body, your whole showing up. My therapist will actually get me to do that because I am very in my head and I'll intellectualize my emotions and I'll kind of be feeling a certain way and we'll be talking. She's like, how do you feel right now? And I'm like, I feel tense. Like, I don't really know. And she's like, okay, just stop and like take three breaths. And she'll always make me do that because I don't feel my feelings I like intellectualize them and it's all in my head and it's like grounding into my body is a big lesson and practice for me so yeah I mean and I think as little kids you know when we start to cry or we start we express our anger or we you know the only thing that's really acceptable is um to express joy and happiness yeah all that all those negative emotions you know we're told calm down don't act like that get yourself together you're going to your room if you behave like that. So what you're really telling that little one is, um, you know, I'm not going to put up with this and it's not safe for you to show up. And so when we get older, you know, we have chronic disease because we're stuffing things and we're, we're compartmentalizing stuff and we don't feel the things that we're feeling. And, and if you've never expressed anger as a human or you were taught to, you know, sort of crunch it down and hold it together because no one wanted to see your ugliness. How can you create self-love and acceptance when you've got all this stuff inside of you that's you're angry about that you never had the opportunity to, to just like process it. That's why when people are crying, right? People are always like, I'm sorry, I'm crying. I'm yeah. crying. <laughs> 
Yeah, where, where does that come from? It comes from parents telling you, stop crying. You're being oversensitive. Yeah. So here's the big secret. Crying is actually the release valve for your emotions to process through the body. Mm. When you're crying, you're literally processing emotions so they don't get stuck in the tissues because here it is, disease. What is the word disease? It's dis-ease. Dis-ease comes from not feeling, stuffing, compartmentalizing, trying to rationalize something that is hurtful and painful and saying, it's okay, it's okay. I'm not allowed to cry, not allowed to feel grief. I'm not allowed to be angry. Like BS, man. Like this is your life. This is your life. Yeah. So, you know, to parents who do that to their kids, you're really hurting them because as adults, they don't have the full range of their expression in the world. So when the reaction of negativity comes up, that person is barfing everywhere for the fact that they didn't get heard when they were a kid. They didn't, they weren't held as a teenager to say, or rationalized with as a teenager to say, yeah, I get that. Wow. That must really be hard. How are you feeling about that? Like those three simple questions or statements can make a huge difference in a young adult. Yeah. I do though want to acknowledge for my generation, at least, I do feel like our parents didn't have those tools and like they only did as well as they received or as well as they knew. So it's, it's tough that we have to like unlearn all the things that we're unlearning now. But I do also want to have like compassion for like, that was part of our reading too, just understanding like that was a whole different culture, like they're in survival. So they didn't have the skills, at least for an immigrant parent like mine, like knowing how to show up and have that emotional intelligence. So we're like the new generation coming through and we're understanding and like you are one of the beacons who actually understands of that generation, but I don't think many do. Well, you know, first of all, being a black woman, raising two girls, right? Your mom raised the two of you. Yeah. Like that's just monumental. Yeah. And and I can speak to that because I lost my husband. You know, he died when I was 42 and I raised a 10 and an eight year old to adulthood. And um, and for me, I like, I, you know, I knew I could do it because my mom had raised my brother and I since I was six. So my mom had a big extended family. Um, I don't, I, you know, it's just a very small group. Um, but being a woman in general, and then being a woman of color, yeah, you know, there's so much in front of you, like, you know, equal opportunity, jobs, you know, being in the job, doing it right, you know, having subordinates who are maybe older than you or younger than you, whatever that is knowing how to speak the language to, you know, there's just like, and then you're raising two kids who you are um, responsible for and hoping that you're raising them to be good, kind human beings, right? That have emotional intelligence, minor boys, so emotional intelligence and being compassionate. Like for me, the one thing as a mom, I tried to do when my boys were little was that if something should happen to me, I was killed on the freeway or I was in a plane accident or, you know, whatever it was, and I should die. I wanted my kids to know that they could survive without me. Mm. I wanted them to be whole enough because of losing their father. 
I wanted them to be whole enough that they could walk on the planet and still have a good life. And so my whole thing about raising them when they were young was to make sure that I was giving them the emotional. And my older one will tell you, you know, I was really hard on him. And now I understand why, because he's mainly Pitta and his Pitta mirrors mine. And, you know, the way our language is to each other, we're just constantly like two like charges bouncing off each other. Mm. Where my younger one is Kapha, you know, doesn't matter if I'm bouncing, he'll just absorb me. Mm. And he'll feed me. And then I apologize and say, I'm sorry. And he's like, I live with you my whole life. I get it. <laughs> you just need to eat. So I know once you eat, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so glad you understand. And he's like, yeah, I get it. You know, like but that that's the great thing about knowing your doshas, right? Because then he doesn't take it personally where my older one would take it personally. And I would take it personally when he was out of balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of factors to consider when you're in a relationship with someone. And so knowing your doshas is really just a tool. It's a tool for you. And it's a tool for you to understand the world and how to speak to it. Yeah. And Inside I, your doshas. I think right. that's another big part of all these personality tests that I'm obsessed with. And just learning about yourself, really being self-aware. I feel like it helps so much with relationships. And I feel like I came to this planet to like master relationships because I always have some kind of relationship issue that I need to like work through. And I think it's so helpful. Yeah, just to understand yourself. And then you can kind of diagnose the people around you when you're just observing them. You're saying, okay, I think you're a little pitta because you're acting this way. <laughs> it's yeah, but, good. you know, if your mom came into, she came into you and just was like, rah, 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 rah. Before you'd be like, ah, you know, what do you do? Why are you being so harsh? But now you go, oh yeah, you need to eat. <laughs> yeah. You're, or you're, you're just grumpy. Like yeah. I just, yeah. Sometimes like she's just being a grump and I just need to be away from her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, at that moment that she's being really angry, you could say, mom, I found this great breathing technique. You want to try it? I actually did do that one time. I was like, let's breathe into our stomachs together. <laughs> I was, and she like could barely do it. She was like breathing her chest. I was like, no, no, no the stomach. Like let's, let's really go deep. <laughs> I like try to introduce her to yoga and stuff. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, so. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome okay well we have a little bit of time left and i have a questionnaire segment i'd love to jump into sure. if your game well did okay. i answer all your questions yeah you pretty them? much covered the doshas and really okay. understanding how to balance them so i think listeners will have a good intro to ayurveda of course there's going to be a 201 and a 301 of like how to really integrate ayurveda into your life but i think this is a good intro for people and then you can always go deeper another time but, wow, awesome. Okay, just ring me up. Let me yeah, up. yeah. Okay, so questionnaire questions. Firstly, as a pitta, what are your favorite foods for balancing your fieriness? Well, as a pitta kapha. Okay, pitta um, kapha. Yeah. So when it gets really hot and it's the middle of summer and it's just like hot, stinking hot, 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 everything's hot. Um. Dr. Helen had told me to drink cilantro, which is, you know, mm. coriander and uh, celery juice. And I was like, that does sound so terrible. But you know what? It's not so bad. <laughs> and, 
and the thing about it that and I added a little carrot in there and a little mm. apple to make it a mm. little sweeter. But the coriander and the celery are cooling and calming to pitta. So if you drink a cup of that, I was supposed to drink three cups a day, which was a little bit hard. So this is the thing. Ayurveda will always say, you know, do this, this much. Um, but if you can't do that much, don't stop. Do a little. Yeah, do what you can. But, but um, you don't, you know, like she was like, yeah, I drink three cups of that a day, which is basically one of each meal. And I couldn't do it. But drinking one was good right? Or drinking one and a half was good. And I did it for the five days she told me to do it. Mm. So the thing with Ayurveda is, of course, sometimes they overdose you in the sense of because it's food, you know, they're wanting a medicinal effect. Um, But I'm always do it. If if you can't do it all, at least just do some of it. Yeah. And that's the thing about Ayurveda. I just, I have to interject here. Um, If you start studying Ayurveda, and you're a vata, you'll get, you'll go, oh my God, or Kafa will look at that and go, oh man, that's a lot of work. A pitta will go, oh, this is really interesting. But <laughs> the thing about Ayurveda that I want to say is be simple. You know, don't try and take it all on and think, oh, I got to do this whole thing in order for it to work. My suggestion is to get that food list. Look at the food, look at five things on the food list you're not supposed to eat and five things you are supposed to eat and try them out, try them out for a week, try them out for two, but you'll, and you'll notice like when you start switching out your food, you'll go, Oh, that food feels really good. I like that food. Oh, that happens to be on the favorable food list. Look at that. And then, you know, and then you might be finding more things that are favorable. You'll eat something that's unfavorable and your body will go, and then You'll go, oh, that didn't really work. Oh, I'm having an allergic reaction. Oh, I've got a lot of inflammation after that. And soon your body will say to you, why are you eating that? And sometimes you're going to eat something because you're like, because I'm being emotional and I want that and I just want to eat it because I want to eat it. Then eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like just have grace and like do it one day at a time. And you don't, you don't need to eat it all either. The bad food. If all you do is buy it and you take a bite and you throw the rest of it away, that's okay. Like this is how we adopt and create new habits. It's like the reason that things fail is because we do all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And mine's sort of like a gradual bite here, a gradual bite there, gradual bite here. And then, you know, like a month, six weeks down the road, you're like, whoa, yeah, I'm feeling better. Wow. Let me check that list out again and pick five more things and take five other things off. And pretty soon after a while, you'll have your whole list together and you'll go grocery shopping and your body will know, oh, I like that food. Oh, I don't like that food. Yeah, that's good advice. I think we definitely (laughs) like to bite off more than we can chew. And then we say, oh, it doesn't work. But like just slowly, gradually, yeah, integrate it. I like that advice. Okay, what's your favorite way to start your day? Playing pickleball. (laughs) Oh, you start the day doing that first thing. Yeah, I usually nice. get up, go out at 8, 30, 9 o'clock and play till 11, 12. Cool. Nice. Okay. You're very active, Pitta. <laughs> um, what are your habits for maintaining your sanity during quarantine? And we're kind of coming out of it now, but what have been your habits? Playing pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love the simplicity of just like being active, playing pickleball. Playing pickleball uh, 
Pickleball because like, you know, pickleball is very, it's a great, it's a great sport and there's community and there's friendship and there's uh connection. Yeah. Um, I love it. And it's, it's so much fun. I need to play now. Cause everyone keeps talking about it. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun. Like you, if you start playing and you, you can hit a ball, you get pretty addicted fast. And, um, you know, and I never go out and exercise anymore. I go out and play, have joy. And I go out and have fun. I love that. I'm going to need to find a pickleball league now because everyone loves it and I want to join in. <laughs> um, what is your favorite place on the planet? Bali. Ooh, yes. I want to go there. <laughs> mm. well, and Thailand. But Bali, I have, uh, I went and I have a family there. I have my Balinese oh. family. And the Are you Balinese? Like Bali, no, I'm Chinese. Oh, okay. I, I, have, I have friends that own a resort called Immunity in Sudaji, mm-hmm. Bali. And uh, the thing about Bali for me, and the reason I was drawn to go there is because the day starts with ritual, which is, you know, going to temple and um, leaving flowers and lighting incense and honoring our ancestors. So the progression is it's spirit, family, and then business. Mm. And the society is wrapped in compassion and gratitude. And so, um, it's just like, so of who I am. I love that. That's like the proper priorities. I think (laughs) not American at all. (laughs) And the thing about it is that they, they're such a loving, kind human being, like every, like from a moment, a Balinese baby is born, they know their place. They're inside Mm. an extended family that has a larger community that is, you know, centered around temple and prayer and, uh, you know, honoring all the different rituals and traditions that they have. And, they know their place and they know what their contribution is and they know, you know, how they fit into the life of their family because children are revered. Mm. And wow. so there's just a center of love from the moment you're born till you grow. Oh, that sounds beautiful. I love that. Just a little like love nest for new babies. <laughs> yep. I love that. Uh, what's your favorite book or the book you recommend the most? In what? In life? Yeah, in life. <laughs> um, Man's Eternal Quest by Paramahansa Yogananda. And Ooh. I love uh, uh, Metaphysical Meditations, which is a little book of prayers, meditations that I just literally flip to for the day. And it's I read it and I go, oh, that applies. Nice. But oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to so, have to link that one. Link both of those, actually, in the show notes. Um as we're on the Ease and Grow show, what are some areas of your life right now where you're feeling ease? And then what's an area where you're feeling some challenge or some room for growth? Um, ease is finally claiming to the world I'm an intuitive and stepping in and like having that puzzled piece create so much focus in my life that my life has, my life has always had um, magic but I don't know that I've lived inside of ease and growth. And I mean, from the sense of everything happens without effort, mm. um, thought of 
manifestation, all of that just sort of comes through naturally, like being on your show, you know, like you just asked me out of the blue and I get to chat about my philosophy and my living, you know, yeah. like that, that's a blessing. Um, growth, um, being human, like <laughs> seriously being challenged by being human in the sense of how my doshas show up for me. So I just had a whole period of coughiness and, mm. um, and the thing is I knew it and I was okay with it where before I might've like jumped off into it, dived into it, been there for three, five, six months, you know, instead I was just there for three days and I realized it. And, um, and I, and, you know, and I understood what the emotional triggers were and how I got there. And, uh, and then, yeah, I arrived back. So here I am. Yeah. So you already grew through your challenge, your kapha imbalance moment. You're just like, all right, we're going to get out of this. And how did you get out? Um, being called, you know, someone wanting to interview me, talk to me about, um, being a speaker in a workshop mm. and, uh, how big the platform is going to be. And, you know, she was really, she'd heard me on another podcast and said, yeah, my partner and I were scrutinizing you. And I don't know if you could feel it. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm glad to see that I passed. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but she, she, it was really, it was really cool because she listened to this other podcast and she heard my story and she was really intrigued. And so she reached out to me. So um, nice. those, those are like little magical things that yes. remind me that universe and source are um, supporting me. That can, like this, just having this conversation with you too, you know, like, yeah, yeah you're in the right place. You have to keep doing what you're doing. I so. love those synchronicities. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, lastly, finish the sentence, the world would be a better place if people knew how to love and accept themselves. Or I should say, people knew how to accept and love themselves. Mm, in that order, yes. <laughs> I would agree with that, definitely. We all need more self-compassion or it's also hard on ourselves. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think a lot of people will benefit from learning this and just understanding themselves more so that they can love themselves more. Uh, let everyone know where can they find you? What are your offerings? How can they connect with you? Well, I do an Ayurvedic dosha reading, which you talked about. And um, so that's available. And I'm up for intuitive readings. If you have things that are going on in your life and you need clarity. Um, I have programs that teach you how to deeply connect with yourself, your intuition and your light, and then understanding what your soul's purpose is on the planet. And then I have a mastermind group where you can develop your business from the inside out. So once you have that mission statement and you understand what's happening for yourself, how, how, why you came back and how you show up, we can design your business and your life around that so that you live in a magical space, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have contractions, but you're going to live more in the expanded self. And when you want to contract, you're going to have a safety net of me and others to be able to support you to step into just being expanded. But, you know, we all have contraction because inside contraction, that's where we learn. And that's where we get awareness. So um, yeah. I'm wanting to give people an opportunity to ask all those questions that may seem weird and silly to other people that don't understand this language or this way of being. 
And we don't have enough of that available for more people to step into their, into their purpose and their light. Um, let's see. They can reach me at Christine, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, Mira, M-I-U-R-A, all one thing, at gmail.com. Uh, and you can reach me on Facebook through Messenger or go to my wall. I'm the only one there under that name. Uh, and I live in Alameda, California. So I think that's how you find me. You index me. <laughs> uh, oh, and in, on Instagram, my name's backwards. So it's Mira Christine at, on Instagram. That's me. Cool. And I'll link all those places so people can reach out to you. But we got to get you a website so people know all these offerings. Where are all these offerings living? I know it. I know <laughs> I know I need to do the website. It's just, it's like jumping down a black hole and you're just like, yeah. Okay, coming <laughs> soon. It's coming soon is what I'm going to put out into the world for you. <laughs> but I will link these places too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I Thank you. I You just reminded me again that I need to get my website up. So yes. progress. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. This has been great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ease and Grow. I truly hope you got something meaningful and valuable out of it. If you enjoyed this podcast and feel so inspired, then go ahead and leave a nice rating and review on whatever listening platform you're on. Another good deed for your day, share this episode with someone who needs to hear it. I truly love to connect, so reach out to me on Instagram at easeandgrowpod. There, you'll see we share fun and inspirational posts and some behind-the-scenes content. As always, I'm wishing you joy, growth, and wellness. Have a magical week and see you in the next one.